0: Major funding for Telehell is provided by Dave's Archives. At Dave's Archives, they transfer, archive, and preserve classic commercials from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and share them with you, the YouTube going public. They even have original shows such as Friday Night Live, which pops up, guess when? Everything about Dave's Archives can be found on their YouTube page. Just search Dave's Archives. By Retro Cirque on YouTube. Home to the off-air extra, off-air memories, telemimes mimes featuring the off-duty mime players, and of course, old compilations of commercials from the 80s to the 2000s. Check them out by searching RetroCerk with a Q at the end on YouTube. And don't forget to check all of their socials as well. And by the continued financial support of our patrons at patreon.com slash including Mr. Cheeseball, Robert Marquez, Rick Colacki Jr., and Neil Weinstein. Thank you. It's that time again. It's time to subject ourselves to a certain football game that takes place each year around this time. A kind of football game that probably has more hype, pomp, and circumstance than the actual game itself. Really. If you think about it, the actual football game itself has become highly inconsequential compared to the candy-coated shell that surrounds it. A shell made up of about 79 hours worth of pre-game preamble, up to and including pseudo-inspirational film pieces about the players, the teams, the coaches, hell, probably the equipment managers and groundskeepers if they're really stuck for time. Add a dash or two of famous people stopping by on a red carpet to promote whatever TV show or movie which just happens to be connected to the network airing the game that year, and of course, top it off with the other thing that people tune into this game for aside from a football game: the commercials.
1: Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man! You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Nice. Oh,
0: Use
1: Snickers. Better.
0: Maybe it's because the world has become too desensitized over the years. God Maybe it's because they would rather have something fun to watch instead of grown men beating each other to a pulp over a ball. But the commercials in the biggest football game of the year have, more often than not, become an even bigger part of the post-game conversation than the game itself. What kind of conversation the commercials wind up having, however, depends on just what kind of impact the ads have, especially if the spot in question raises a flag on the field.
2: The people of Tibet are in trouble. Their very culture is in jeopardy. But they still whip up an amazing fish curry. As we've
0: stated last year, there have been a number of times through the history of the big game where some of the commercials that air wind up getting attention for all the wrong reasons. So wrong, in fact, that they earn a place in our shrine against advertising humanity that we call... The Big Game Hall of Shame. Last year, we inducted eight commercials that aired during the big football game over its 50-plus year history, and we also swore to ourselves that we would do it again the year after. That time has come. But this time around, I feel that just me talking about bad commercials may wind up being a little dull. I think it's time for a little assistance. Thankfully, I still get at least one free Hell Dragger for every year I survive my eternity. You don't want to know what you need to spend for one. That being said, I think the time has come to bring down somebody who happens to be an expert at commercials. Just gotta set my coordinates for... The Lone Star State. Oh, uh, before I forget, I keep forgetting about the kickback on these things, so pardon me while I suit up. Okay, let's drag down a soul. Huh, what do you know? I felt no impact there. Uh-oh. <gasps> <coughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, I remember the kickback, but I forgot about the aftershock. Roll the titles, will ya?
3: And now, it's where TV meets torture, this
2: is Hell. Okay, let's see, snacks, check, uh, TV with high-end sound system, check, noise cancelling headphones so I can tune out what Joe Buck has to say. Wait a minute, the game's on NBC this year, I don't need them, okay. I'm ready for some football. Oh boy, the landlord's gonna be pissed at me for this. place where they burial Houston Orly's memorabilia? Please, don't be
0: cruel to your former home team. If anything, this is more the place where championship t-shirts of losing football teams winds up, but you'd probably find them on our fraud floor. Wait a minute,
2: you sound familiar. I know, I know, I get that a lot. No, I think I actually know who you are. You're the guy who advertises my YouTube channel, are you? At <laughs> last, we meet Dave of Dave's Archives. Welcome to hell! Wait, I thought we were just doing things on the barter system. Y- you send me old videotapes with commercials on them, and we advertise each other's shows? Uh, oh, crap. You're not here to take my soul, are you? You've come to collect?
0: Calm down, Dave. The last thing I would do is pressure a sponsor. As far as I'm concerned, we're both square on business. I brought you down here because you're probably a bigger expert on commercials than I'll ever be. And I was hoping that you could assist me on our induction ceremony today.
2: Induction
0: where? Where else, but... The Big Game Hall of Shame. Today, you and I are going to be looking at some commercials that aired during that silly football game that may have rubbed people the wrong way. And once we've taken care of all that, I'll send you back to the surface world in plenty of time to watch those guys in helmets fighting over a ball. No harm, no foul, not even a penalty marker. And what if I don't? Well, if you don't, the Hall of Shame could use a full-time curator. The pace stinks, the benefits are worse, and the coffee machine is constantly leaking.
2: Boy, do you dangle the big carrot. Uh, okay, so what exactly are we gonna do here?
0: Well, like any sport, we've gotta lay some ground rules first. The first one being that we're going to each pick four commercials that aired during the big football game, and that we're not going to know which commercials we're going to be talking about until the moment we reveal them. The picker talks about their pick first, and then the other person will give their opinion about it, and vice versa. Oh,
2: so like Siskel
0: and Ebert used to do on their best and worst of lists. Exactly. And since you were kind enough to invoke their names, I'm going to give you until their classic theme song of theirs ends for you to come up with your four selections.
2: Wait, what? That's less than a minute. I can't come up with things that fast. Whoa! Like
0: I said, I wouldn't be cruel to a sponsor. I'll play the themes to their old Tribune and PBS shows. Those alone should give you at least three minutes to come up with your selections.
2: That's still too short. It can't be done. Okay, then why don't we start measuring you for your curator's outfit? Okay, fine. I'll come up with something. Good. And
0: while the Siskel and Ebert music is playing, I need to take care of some minimum requirements. And your time starts now. <laughs> Since this is one of our more unconventional episodes, this is where we put the nine circles aside for the week. Sort of, which stands to reason because the commercials that we cover here will fall under the same basic mechanics. One being that millions of dollars are spent and sometimes wasted on this one time slot in an effort to get more brand recognition. And as we say, the greedy plans are often the ones with the least amount of thought put into it. Not to mention that some of these spots seem to go out of their way to offend their audience, all but guaranteeing some wrath from viewers. Of course, the sizable audience that these ads wind up receiving, whether they're popular or not, thus increasing the consumer's need to consume the product, oftentimes in gluttonous ways. And in the case of some of these spots, appealing to one's baser instinct to salivate over what they see in sometimes lustful ways. And in the case of this instance, where I actually have somebody to debate over these commercials with, we should also point out that from here on out, anything that the two of us will be talking about will be largely unscripted, except for some of the notes that we make about the commercials that we pick.
2: Wait, I have to make notes
0: too? You'll give notes, otherwise I hope you enjoy giving guided tours. Anyway, like I said, we're doing things Siskel and Ebert style minus the two thumbs up. I won't know what Dave's talking about until he talks about it, and vice versa. The only thing we ask of you, the listener, is that you bear with us here, since this is the first time that we're doing a show that's truly spontaneous. Spontaneous. Five seconds, Dave. And done. Okay, since you are my guest and I am your host, I'll begin to show you how this is done.
1: And fill you with shine, shine, making life just a little bit.
3: Narrator induction number
0: one
1: with a little
3: child.
0: For these selections, we're both going to try and toe the line between things that we personally can't stand and things that may have been a lightning rod of controversy to others, even though some of us personally find the spot to be funny or entertaining in its own way. In other words, there's a good chance that a lot of what we talk about here is less about personal preference and more of what majority rule might have been when the spots aired. That being said, I personally enjoyed this first commercial, but the stuff that happened behind the scenes is what's getting inducted here. KGB is a better way to
3: answer any question. To prove it, Paul will browse the web. And Mike will text KGB. The question, what's I surrender in Japanese?
0: Long before people relied on Alexa, Siri, or simply Googling something just to find something out, an app with the name of, not making this up, KGB was created in 2010 as a texting app that was supposed to do what the internet had already been doing for years. Act as a general information app before apps were even a thing. Have any questions that need answering? Text KGB and they can answer the questions for you without the misery of looking through an encyclopedia. But while the product itself seemed kind of frivolous, that's not why we're inducting this one. A total of three spots for the question and answer app were made during the big game of 2010. Two aired, but one did not. Listen carefully to find out why.
3: We got a call? It's my husband. What happened? We were in the pro shop. He and Bob were discussing global warming and... He's got his head up his ass.
1: Not the first time.
0: Sir, you all right in there?
3: Who said that? Now, who's Bob?
1: My husband. Over there.
3: Next time your husbands don't have a clue, make sure they text KGB first. Always know what you're talking about. Text your questions to
1: 542-542.
0: It's in the hole. Now again, personally I think the image of a guy walking around with his head up his ass is a pretty funny visual. Unfortunately, it may have been a little too extreme for CBS to air. Which brings us to the real reason why the spot is being inducted. The idea that the controversy behind the quote-unquote banned spot may have been more manufactured than advertised. No pun intended. According to an article from CBS's Market Watch site the day after the game, quote, "...although KGB said in an email that its ad was banned from the big game, children are watching. KGB cannot reasonably have expected its ad to pass muster. The ad looked like a cheap PR ploy rather than an actual attempt to take advantage of the exposure the game offers." End quote. So for that, the real reason KGB's head-up-the-ass spot gets inducted is because it needlessly manufactured hype when it clearly didn't need to be in the first place, especially with all the other spots produced.
2: It reminds me of this other ad that says, hey, we blew $2 million on this ad. Now do we have your attention? Well, maybe so, but you know what? I'm assuming that people with phones back maybe before 2007 when the iPhone came out, Um, I'm assuming people had flip phones for the most part, and they didn't have all the big screen and the visuals and all that stuff to get information while on the go, but still, that's an expensive ad. (laughs) <laughs> Probably no little, little to no return. I wonder if they were still in business that same year.
0: I'm honestly amazed they were uh, able to use the name KGB, especially because we all know what the KGB <laughs> really is. And right. And as of this recording, they may very well have annexed themselves into the Ukraine, but that's another story. Oh, um,
2: data mining from Russia back in the possibly. day. Possibly. Nice. <laughs>
0: I'm still kind of uh, trying to get over the whole visual of uh, guys' heads up their asses, which I guess, you know, call it what you will, it was still a very interesting use of CGI for 2010, but my biggest complaint is that they pretty much wasted the opportunity for it not to be some sort of commercial for proctology.
2: Yeah, another thing is, how long does it take to get the response, the answer, and who's answering it, you know? Who's validating these answers? Uh, I'll, I'll buy it probably. I interesting interesting concept.
3: David Duxit, number
1: one.
2: You know, during this time, I think this uh, year 2000, a lot of ads that aired that day were for some reason I don't know why They all had an, A lot of them had animals If you go to the, the top 5 Or top 10 ads From two, 20, 2000 You'll see They were like Animals in every single one But anyway This was uh, 2000 Right at the, the uh, dot com, right before the dot com bubble um, Pets.com was Going at its peak That's why they aired this And you know Food for pets Buy it online What have you If you can leave me now You'll take away the biggest part of me.
1: Ooh,
0: no, baby. Please don't go. Ooh,
1: girl, I just want you to stay.
0: Hey, man, I'm getting carsick.
2: I think I'm in a boot. Only around six months later, seven months later, uh, they filed for bankruptcy, I believe. And then they liquidated everything and they only lasted like i said like six or seven months after that which is kind of sad um and another really interesting thing about that i'm not really touching up on the on the ad itself but kind of the history um as of this year 2022 they started redirecting pets.com to petsmart.com which is kind of peculiar i don't know why what took so long you know pets.com has been defunct out there for like 20 years Twenty plus years, and now they're just starting to redirect to uh, Petsmart.com. But um, yeah, good try on that one. But .dot com bubble kind of killed it, squashed it. It only it was just uh, it was a dream, really. It's it's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember seeing these uh, commercials when they first aired back when I was alive, and uh, yeah. That sock puppet just annoyed the ever-loving shit out of me every time he was on. I don't care how cute and fuzzy he was supposed to be because, uh, well, number one, if you see a certain thing a number of times and it's already annoying the first time you see it, the law of diminishing returns is pretty much, you know there for the taking and it's just going to get worse from there. And number two, I was already a big fan of Late Night with Conan O'Brien by this point and I believe that sometime around this time, I wasn't sure if it was Pets.com that sued them or they sued Pets.com because they too had a famous dog puppet, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. In fact, I think that's a bit somewhere. I think there's a bit somewhere online uh, showcasing it. I must consider the consequences
1: of making fun of Page.com, a great supply company, and also of their puppet, a great, great puppet. FOR ME TO I
0: don't know, it just, I, I never really liked the sock puppet. It just really annoyed me. <laughs> like <laughs> especially uh, especially when you know it was trying to sound all slick and cool and like yeah. hey, like, like 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 I it was like a certain style back in the late nineties, early two thousands where everybody was all like, hey, look at me, I'm talking bad. Ba-ba-da, 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 it it didn't really translate well to sock puppets, unfortunately, <laughs> and especially because of the dot-com uh, bubble burst and you know, my question now, now that we're in 2022, you know, there's Chewy.com. That's become pretty big. And oh yeah. I'm amazed that the sock puppet never came back because you know, even stupid things wind up coming back. So, just goes to show
2: you. The Noid came
0: back.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: narrator induction
0: number two. This next one is more of a personal preference choice than KGB's, partly because there are some things in this world that you could spend your entire life trying to avoid seeing. A naked old man on the cusp of death is definitely one of them. Fortunately, we have a perfectly good Fallout boy right here. Jiminy-jellikers! 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 For those who don't remember who Mickey Rooney was, he was one of the biggest movie stars in the world when he was young, became more legendary as he got older, and practically became a lovable madman once he reached his twilight years. But still, he had enough of a presence that in 2005, he filmed a commercial for that year's big game, which immediately got red flagged by the Fox Network once they viewed it. And since this one is dialogue free, I'll give you a play-by-play since this is only 15 seconds. We open on a sauna being occupied by a number of men and women dressed only in a towel. One of them is Mickey Rooney. Somebody coughs in the sauna and then all of a sudden... A horrified Mickey escapes the sauna and winds up losing his towel at the same time.
3: Airborne, created by a teacher who was sick of catching Colts in class,
0: at drugstores everywhere and never fully functioning again in my life or death is my penis for having to expose myself to naked Rooney Bud. For further context, this spot, which to the Fox Network's credit, never saw the light of day aside from online viewing, was made exactly one year after another infamous wardrobe malfunction, which you can hear more about on episode 11. But while it seemed like a sucker's bet to put anything like that commercial on one year after the fabric rips seen around the world, Mickey Rooney himself thought that the spot was more for laughs than anything indecent, stating in a 2005 interview with the Associated Press, quote, "...I would never do anything that's in bad taste. I've been a family entertainer all my life. We're not selling sex, we're selling a health product." End quote. While the co-owner of Airborne Medicine stated, quote, "...we had to come up with something sensational that would leave people with a lingering buzz or chuckle. To edit that out would be to emasculate the ad somewhat." End quote. Regardless of how tasteful they tried to make this, it's still Mickey Rooney's naked ass. Probably the last thing anybody would ever want to see in their lives, or even long after they're dead. Really? I've never
2: (laughs) in my life would I thought I'd see Mickey Rooney walk halfway naked. No, fully naked. Backside, out the door of a sauna. And uh, now every time I drop or pop a airborne, I will definitely think of this sure
0: if you were looking for a way to advertise a new medicine or i think it was new back in 2005 or something maybe sooner i don't know but if you're looking for a way to advertise something that you're supposed to take to improve your health the last thing you would want to see is mickey rooney's ass i mean it just it just makes no sense it makes especially a year after probably the biggest crackdown no pun intended, (laughs) on uh, indecency on TV and all thanks to the whole uh, wardrobe malfunction thing. The fact that they even considered putting the commercial on TV, just considering it, was a miracle in itself. The people behind the ad probably thought, hey, the big game's gonna be on Fox this year. They've always been fast and loose with uh, certain things, and no, even Fox has standards, so hats off to you, Fox. I I gotta, you know, I, I'm probably the biggest surprise of, of them all. Or at least blur his ass if you really want to go through with it. Because at least that way, I, I know it goes against what the medicine founder said, that it'd probably be emasculating the spot. But an implied ass is sometimes better than the real ass. And I think I've now just set the record for the most times <laughs> I've said ass on this show.
2: Yeah, it was uh, It's quite a spectacle. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, pixelating would have been nice. There's a little pixelation there. I mean, they had the technology for sure, but uh, no, they were like, you know what? He's on his way out. We want to see the ass. We, we need to include the ass on the show on this little commercial. It's gonna be good for business. <laughs> it was a bucket list item: ass on a commercial. Dave induction number two.
1: Helps keep
2: yeah, so I I adored Chevy Chase. He's one of my favorite all-time actors um, because of his slapstick humor and just his persona and everything he puts on on stage. But this was really sad. This was, I mean, at first I was kind of giggling. I was like, oh, Chevy Chase, Doritos, okay, it's going to be good.
0: Not right now i'm in the middle of shooting a super bowl commercial won't take long chef you're canceled <laughs> canceled yeah no, sorry. how do you get canceled out of a commercial you're not getting the ratings chevy ratings Demographics? all wrong there's four or five other commercials the audience likes a lot better they do oh yeah you're out Jeff. Uh, i like this stuff well keep the bag chef oh well, thanks you're a sport and a terrific guy
1: you're good you look great mm.
2: Year, good show. Doritos, tortilla thins, everything else is just. A and chip. then this this, mo- this this little troop of mob-looking actors come up and say you're canceled. And then I noticed a year, and it's like, okay, it's 1994. Didn't Chevy Chase have a show that was canceled after like two months, five weeks? Yeah, it was it was like, it was a breath, right? And <laughs> it was it was the breath of death. I it think. Was, but go <laughs> the on. The show was so horrible. And then he had the balls to go up and say, yeah, let's do this commercial after I've been canceled. We'll put it on the big game and we'll ha- we'll have some fun, a little tongue-in-cheek, whatever, at himself. And it was it was not cringy, it was it was not funny. It was it, for me it was a little sad. I was like, God, that that damn. You know? And then at the very end, she still granny comes down and steals his bag, which is the only thing he has to claim for it after his show is cancelled chips and uh, he's left one chip and uh, bad year he says. Man that is so sad. I mean that is a really shitty way to go out with a Doritos commercial after your shit's cancelled.
0: I don't know how much of this was a combination of kick a man when he's down or being in on the joke. I mean Chevy had to have been on the joke for for, for all yeah. that stuff to wind up happening <laughs> anyway and I'm sure Doritos paid a nice amount of money as a consolation prize. this
2: Right. Yeah, that's what it was. A consolation prize. So
0: so I do kind of get, like, on a human level why this would probably be in here, because you kind of want to feel bad for Chevy, but then years later you find out just how much of an asshole he turned out to be. And then you kind of think to yourself, okay, maybe I shouldn't feel too bad, because, you know, karma comes in many different shapes or forms.
2: Yeah. You know, I... I, I my personality i gravitate towards assholes <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, you you seen those you see those questions on social media platforms if you could spend a day with any actor would would be Ch- chevy would be one of the guys because you are getting a real person you're not getting this you know well, apple well, sauce well well now you got, you got to make
0: sure you qualify though do you want to meet present day chevy or chevy at his peak
2: oh right you know that's true oh yeah, that's a good question. I, I It would probably be today. That way he could actually talk to him about his past. Because um, uh, if, if it was yesterday's Chevy or Chevy, I actually call him Chevy, by the way. But, but uh, if, if it's yesterday's Chevy, then eh, I think he's too much into himself and he's too busy to give a simpleton like me any time of the day. But now Chevy, yeah, he would, he'd be all about it. He'd probably do a little video with me where we recreate... Uh, uh, the worst, one of the worst franchise movies he made, which was uh, long, uh, va- um, National Lampoon's Vacation in Vegas, which is actually one of my favorite of <laughs> the campaign—not the campaign, but the series. Um, it's it's totally it's it's a totally good one anyway. But I I digress. I would go with the, the current one because he can can be bitter and funny at the same time and uh, open to any discussion because now he is sort of like that.
0: On that note I think this will be a good time to take in the halftime show. I dare ask what a halftime show in hell is like. Unfortunately it's the same halftime show we've got every year. Some host of an ASMR podcast scraping a fork against the plate. better entertainment than this? We're still waiting for Paulie Shore to pass away. Then we can collect on his contract, and then he can become the permanent headliner down here. Anyway, we're going to stick a fork in the rest of these picks. After the break. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you. With do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design, and they have guaranteed US-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and yes, it even includes the leap years. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com/free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code quickstart. That's pair.com/free promo code quickstart to get started today. And now, here's that fake commercial that we put in to pad out the time.
3: Mr. Palomalo? Mr. Palomalo? Yeah? You need any help? Mm Mm-mm. You want my Coke Zero? No. Really? You can have it.
1: Coke
3: Zero okay. the We're
2: Coke brand managers. Coke Zero stole our taste. Yeah. They are not stealing our commercial. Hey, that was for me. Is he coming? Uh-huh. Is he coming? Uh-huh.
1: I'll meet you at the car. Makes me feel nice. That's the way
3: This week on Telehel's premium content of the dam.
2: What you have been watching is a production experiment. We have just completed from the Orange Bowl, to the best of our knowledge, the only half of NFL football ever to be done without the benefit of announcers. The reaction to it, well, we will leave that to you. If you can understand what just transpired, then our experiment is a success. If you find yourselves wondering what's been going on, then maybe we have to work out the kinks. In any event, we'll continue with the experiment. We'll try to work out the kinks in the second half.
3: The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of The Damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. For just a few bucks a month, you can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. And now back to this week's torture
2: how much longer does this go on for hang on he's getting to the big finish
0: About that. They're supposed to boo down here. It'd be stranger if he had a standing ovation. Anyway, let's move on with more of our picks. Narrator induction number three. Well, regardless of whether I have a guest down here or not, it wouldn't be one of my shows without shamelessly using a clip from The Simpsons but bear with us, there is a point to be made here. That being said, here's a clip from a Treehouse of Horror episode called How to Get Ahead in Deadvertising. Simpson, we got a swell little notion for ya.
3: Did you know you can put a dead celebrity in a commercial and you don't have
0: to pay them a thing? Unfortunately, there are certain stars who won't do what we want. What's their problem? (laughs) They're still alive. Believe it or not, there was once a time when people took famous public figures seriously. So much so that you wouldn't see a number of your favorite stars of yesteryear selling out until such a time would come when they would leave the mortal plane. And when that time comes, how do you use the deceased in a dignified way to sell a product? You get permission from the deceased next of kin and their estate, then it'll be okay. Or as Homer Simpson would put it years earlier,
2: You people must realize that the public owns you for life, and when you're dead, You'll all be in commercials dancing with vacuum cleaners.
3: The amazing Dirt Devil broomback sweeps and picks up dirt in one easy motion. You'll never have to stoop to using a dustpan again. Nothing
0: escapes the power of a Dirt Devil. Although this was a revolutionary idea for its time... I'm inducting the Fred Astaire Dirt Devil commercials of 1997, not because of the notion that they would use a dead person to sell a product, but because of the surprising amount of outrage it wound up receiving from some viewers, even though it was fully sanctioned by Fred Astaire's estate, particularly his widow Robin, who, in a 1997 statement to the Associated Press, said, quote, there's no doubt in my mind that Fred would have accepted this. I'm sorry if it offends some people. There will be many more who enjoy these commercials. End quote. The amazing Dirt Devil Ultra Handback. Now with twice the power and a built-in hose and crevice tool to reach into places you've never reached before. Nothing escapes the power of a Dirt Devil. She further went on to mention that she approved the Dirt Devil ads mainly because the ad makers used actual clips of him dancing, as opposed to him actually speaking. The way the commercial was made was that an actor performed similar routines while holding vacuums and the images were combined on a computer, as opposed to altering his face and voice to promote the product shamelessly. Nevertheless, those who could complain did largely movie buffs, film purists, and even Fred Astaire's daughter from a previous marriage. In fact, according to an old Army Archer column in Variety, Ava Astaire was so disappointed in the move that she personally shipped her own Dirt Devil vacuum back to the company in protest. Which might seem a little petty in the grand scheme of things, but... Then again, it is her father's legacy being exploited. And sadly, this will not be the first time that the Ghosts of the Rich and Famous will use their images just to sell a product. But that's another
2: story.
1: Stuck with either cable Richard. or that. What's happening? Oh, <laughs> never gets old.
2: Now, digital I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, 97 that they were able to accomplish that. It reminds me of that Moby song where they used Fred Astaire dancing. Uh, in the rain I, from that movie he was dancing in the rain and I can't recall the name of the movie but uh, yeah very are you much
0: are you sure you're not talking about Gene Kelly singing in the rain
2: oh my god you're right okay so you're absolutely right it's Gene Kelly not Fred Astaire same thing I don't care I
0: don't know trust me I'm, fr- I'm friends with a lot of musical fans they would give you a dagger eyes for saying that
2: <laughs> Fred Astaire. Did, I, I think they did a pretty good job here, but uh, yeah, I don't have any issues with it. Another thing on the left side, there's like these bowling pins hanging off the wall, and if anyone knows what those are, let us know. Maybe they're juggling items. I don't know. I, I'm totally not. I'm totally not uh, into this ad.
1: You with shine, shine. I can
3: just a little bit Dave induction a
2: number three. Helps keep everything yeah, so this one, um, this one always had a, a, a soft spot for me as a kid. Now, I, I grew up not being a hardcore sports fan, my, my dad was, and the reason I wasn't, probably as I, you know, look back at my past, is because my father was always throwing something at the TV because our teams would never win. Houston just sucked during the 80s. and he, I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds me of the Christmas story where the dad's always having these these cursing sessions. and that was my dad. And, and and the only the only enjoyment I had by sitting on the couch watching him do this was to see the very first uh, Bud bowl
1: football fans get ready for the Battle of the century. As unbeaten Budweiser takes on undefeated Bud Light. It's Bud versus Bud Light in Bud Bowl One.
3: Pick up your official scorecard wherever you see this display.
0: What? Hey, Bud, super idea. You see the neck on that
1: guy. Use it to follow the action and you could win big. So get ready, get set. On January 22nd, Bud Bowl One.
2: This time, it's for real. Which was this kind of animated stop motion thing. And I thought it was fun. It was, and, and it went on throughout the entire game. And uh, you had three or four of these things until finally at the very end, one of the Bud Bowl teams, these fictional teams, won.
1: Seconds left in the Bud Bowl. This is what it's all about. Tied at 24. And right, it all rests on this bear's shoulders. Butchie, it's all yours. Go, Bunchy. Go,
2: Bunchy. Go, Bunchy. Who says kickers don't earn their money? Go, go. The kick is up.
1: It's good! In a storybook finish. What
3: was it? 27, what 24. Wait till next year.
2: And then they did it for year after year, bubble two, bubble three, bubble four. Uh, so that was kind of the uh, it, it kind of got old, honestly speaking. And um and, and, but, but the one thing that was very consistent uh, was my dad throwing shoes and uh, newspapers and uh, even bottle caps from his beers at the television set when the Oilers just never did good or well. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my take on this one. That's the one thing I remember from the 80s that's Super Bowl related uh, that uh, I definitely have memories of, maybe not so fond. But uh, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. I kind of agree with what you
0: say except they probably should have stopped after Bud Bowl won and I, I mean I get you know gimmicks and other ways to get people to buy into things because that's what advertising is it's just a series of gimmicks to get people to buy into things you know I, I kind of see where they're going with this but you know at best at best best. The Bud Bowl was a novelty thing, and I know I'm probably going to get a lot of shit from the sports people out there who say, no, Bud Bowl part of the game fabric, blah, 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 Look, if you like the Bud Bowl, good for you. But I honestly didn't care too much about it, especially since I think the Bud Bowl commercials aired during
2: years of peak football, I think. The whole Bud Bowl thing, it really did spur the entire uh, let's watch the ads, it's gonna be fun while we're watching the game. And I can't wait to what they come up with next. And then for every year thereafter, it just grew It grew out and it kind of butted and, and in it and, it and it sprouted out to be this this massive campaign of really good ads around a game. And I don't bolt it at that, I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, uh, not just for capitalism and all. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a really, it's a really good thing for the wives and the people who are not sports fans, who have something to do when they go to your friend's football game uh, and not caring about the game. But uh,
0: somewhere in the middle of the 80s and 90s, there was this massive on-off switch, I guess you could say, that was flicked on, where people suddenly realized that this high-rated event, this high-rated Sporting event should all of us should all of a sudden be about more than just the sporting event. So you know the, the the commercials wind up getting sensationalized, the halftime shows wind up getting sensationalized, the TV show that airs immediately after the game winds up getting sensationalized because of the ratings it'll pull in, and it just kind of loses the narration and the narrative uh, that you know this is supposed to be a great matchup that you're watching, even though, statistically speaking, most of those games did turn out to be blowout, it's still good fun to watch. But all the other stuff, it's like, it's like you're baking a cake and you're only adding 90% icing to the entire thing and it's just 10% cake, it just kinda lost its, uh, lost its meaning and I think I know exactly when that point of no return started to take place. And that just so happens to be my fourth and final induction. Shine, shine. Large,
3: narrator high. induction, number
1: four.
0: In the beginning, people tuned in to the biggest football game of the year simply to watch a football game that would determine who the best team of the year would be. But as time marched on, people began to realize that having just the football game on was probably not going to be enough to keep the audience numbers in the 100 million range. So naturally, they started to add a few things to the presentation just to make sure no stone was left unturned, and no viewer would be left uncounted. Whether it be as an extended pregame show, or an interesting halftime show, or in recent years, a live interview with whoever the President of the United States is at the moment. And let's also not forget, premiering a new TV show right after the game just so it could cash in on that large audience. Hopefully you get the point. There's more to this football game than just a football game. And nowhere could that point be illustrated more profoundly than what took place during one commercial break in January of
3: 1984. We shall fail. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984.
0: It goes beyond the realm of hyperbole to say that people didn't really start to pay attention to the commercials that aired during the biggest football game of the year until the moment that Apple Computers, which back then was still a fledgling company as opposed to the monolith that it is now, released a 60-second commercial touting the wonders of their new Macintosh computer through the dystopian vision that only Ridley Scott could give us. It was bold. It was fresh. It was a masterpiece. And it was also the matchstick that lit the fuse for commercials to air during the big game to be less about the product itself and more of a signal to have style over substance, especially with an audience that big watching. And then, one year later, Apple wound up biting off more than it could chew in more ways than one. Not unlike the 1984 ad, this sequel, one year later, was also placed in a dystopian setting. Only this time, instead of mindless drones marching their way to mindless droning on about how the world is a better place in the eyes of some, the 1985 commercial depicts blindfolded worker drones clad in suitcases and briefcases, marching along a desolate wasteland, whistling that happy Disney tune, Hi-Ho! albeit in an unnaturally cheerless way. The spot, which was given the nickname Lemmings, then depicted what Lemmings did best. Jump off a cliff with little rhyme or reason. And we say little reason because there is ultimately a method to the madness. On January 23rd, Apple Computer will announce the Macintosh Office.
1: You can look into it. Or you can go on with business as usual.
0: The lesson here is use our product or be like everybody else. Advice that in retrospect, Apple should take a long hard look in the mirror over today. Also in retrospect, Apple found themselves advertising for something that simply didn't exist yet. If you listen carefully to the commercial, the announcer explicitly says On January 23rd, Apple Computer will announce the Macintosh Office. They're only announcing the product. It wouldn't actually be on store shelves for a long, long time. Hell, the product being advertised wouldn't be fully realized until 1987, where the single most important piece of the office setup, which was a file share program, would be released well after the other components were available. The entire history of the Macintosh office is worth searching out on your own time, but the point remains that Apple was losing a lot of ground to IBM and later Microsoft. And all because Apple in the 1980s flew too close to the sun and fell off a cliff at the same time. This commercial, which seldom ever gets talked about, may have been the first step off that cliff, lemming style. Not only that, but I never thought a commercial could be more depressing than an Orwellian future. The notion of people jumping off a cliff for the sake of office regularity kind of makes me wish I still had prescriptions for fluoxetine.
2: Uh, yeah, this is... I've never seen this, I've never heard of it, uh, and uh, no wonder, considering how bad the quality is of the ad. Uh, anyway, this it's so dark and drab, and the tone is set in such a serious manner. There's so many intricate, small details. It, okay, so one, the ad looks simple, it looks really simple, um, but when you start watching it more than once, you'll, you'll start seeing a lot of details, um, like the, back, the background music, the whistling, the ledge, uh, the briefcase and the hats, so on and so forth. Freaking fantastic. I gotta say, this is amazing. This is a good one you did. Really good. And, and,
0: and again, there's nothing wrong visually with the commercial. It's. I think what the biggest flaw of that particular commercial was, was that this was a company that just one year earlier put on the Alpha Omega end-all-be-all big-game commercial to end-all big-game commercials. I mean, this was like this was literally past the point of no return. Once that commercial happened in 1984, not only did other advertisers have to step themselves up, but I think Apple became a victim of its own height, and And they, they felt the need to, you know, one-up themselves. And this kind of goes back to the whole style and substance thing. The fact that, especially Apple in the 1980s, which, you know, say what you will about its history and everything, they were not that great back then especially with IBM and Microsoft nipping at their heels all the time. They wouldn't see major success until, I think, the late 90s when they'd release all those uh, iMacs with the color monitors and all that stuff. The color, you you know, they look like like Easter eggs, let's just say, (laughs) you know, the ones I'm talking about. But, you know, back then, I I guess it was just because, uh, and, you know, this is no disrespect to Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak or anything, but... Maybe because they felt invincible after the 1984 ad, that they felt, okay, let's capture lightning in a bottle a second time, but in the process, they wound up getting struck by lightning, and they wound up suffering because of it.
2: Yeah, I, I personally, I think the biggest fault of this ad is that it's um, it's above what the audience can really understand during a, during a football game, and exactly, I, I don't think it's going to communicate but to maybe 5 to 10% of the viewers. And that's its biggest downfall.
0: Exactly. Especially an audience that's tuning in, once again, to watch a football game. And I think that year, uh, 85, was uh, 49ers versus uh, Miami. And we all know what Joe Montana was capable of. That that game was probably going to be a blowout anyway. Uh, But it's funny because uh, there were some articles that I found that said that they played the commercials in the stadium where the games were happening uh, both times. Um, In 1984 they played the 1984 ad and you know the crowd was just riveted by this thing and then when they played the Lemmings ad later the crowd was just nearly dead silent even though it was a stadium and you could still hear sounds and football players go. I mean it just goes to show you that not all sequels will live up to the original.
2: Yeah and I I think the time it's, it's, it's producing a great product at the right, wrong time, too, in the wrong place. It's just, I think it's a beautiful ad, but, uh, man, not the right place or the right time to produce it, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, really w- well done on this. I, I like it. It's But, man, <laughs> what a way to shoot yourself in the foot, you know.
1: So if you start your band too hard, I'll dash your foot.
3: David Du number
1: four yeah
2: so so this one is a really bittersweet ad for me this commercial here it uh, it hits all the good points as far as uh, cinema nostalgia cinema nostalgia and you're, you're seeing a lot of, of really good memories throughout this ad for Walmart. <laughs>
1: get the big blue bag.
2: Big blue bag?
1: Hmm. Whoa, is this the future? This is the present. Future, Bill. Here's your order, of Bills. Excellent. Here are your groceries. Heck.
0: That's all coffee, right? Coffee,
1: coffee, coffee.
0: Whoa.
3: Where are they? Yes, I do. I am quite aware we are lost.
2: I know. This commercial from Walmart, they're selling their Walmart pickup service, right? You go in, you drive in. You order online, you drive in, you pick up your stuff, they bring it to your car, and then you drive back at home. Now, the bittersweet part of it is in 2020, that's a great ad, but looking at it in retrospect, uh, two years later, 2022, this ad came out literally one or two months before COVID started spiking across the nation and affecting millions of people, right? Hundreds of, well, maybe not millions at the time, but a lot of people. the crazy thing is, is that they produce this ad, they probably went, it probably goes as far back as three to six months to, to plan and deliver this ad with this new service before this massive virus hit the nation, where this service actually becomes a necessity for most Americans because they don't want to step toe into any store to get anything. It's just so crazy, it's just, it's one of those dystopian type of stories you would usually hear on the Twilight Zone. About something that was created as a as a great idea, but then later because of a disaster becomes a need. It, it's just so weird for me. Every time I see it, it's like, whoa! You know, what are the odds? You know, of this service happening just at the right before something comes crashing down on every every home. It's just such a weird thing for me.
0: The commercial kind of reminds me of the 18 months between Y2K. And when 9-11 happened, when everything still had this sheen of innocence and it felt like nothing could possibly go wrong, you know, just like, I guess, retire as they call it in certain cop movies, you know, just like the guy gets killed two days before retirement. And I kind of see where you're coming from with this. Just the fact that, you know, this commercial is tapping into nostalgia just at the point where... Okay, now it's really time to focus on the future, we can't look back at the past. Even though looking back at the past is probably what most people tend to want to do to distract themselves from how horrible the future looks. And I get that with this commercial, especially with uh, all the pop culture references, but at the same time... I I do have to say that I feel that most modern day things tend to do this too much, and not necessarily just in commercials, but also uh, you know in movies and like well, especially movies like uh, most recently uh, Ready Player One and Space Jam Two. They use nostalgia probably to the point of excessiveness to just. Try to illustrate that things could be worse but as long as you remember the good times it won't be as bad but that's really not a wise way to live and, and and this is just you know me me talking here but you know it's okay to think back to the past but never let the past take over the rest of your life because you know if that's the case nobody's ever going to get anything done and you know no wonder we seem to be slipping more and more into an idiocracy these days it's just You know, it's good to reflect. Just don't make reflecting the key part of your life. So, as much as I enjoyed this particular commercial, I just think it may have, like, tapped on the nostalgia goggles a little too much. Because, in the words of Lisa Kudrow, when she appeared on BoJack Horseman uh, many years ago, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Dave, but there's a line that she, there's a line that she says uh, in her last episode that says it's funny when you wear rose colored goggles all the red flags just look like flags and that's hmm. what I think overdoing it on nostalgia may ultimately lead up to but again that's just me
2: no it's true I think we all try to remind ourselves not to dig too deep into that and relish it to a point where we try to re it but you know what I gotta say and, and, and this is I think it may I, I think this is gonna happen this is my personal opinion I think in another ten years, virtual reality is gonna catch up to the point where when we come home from work, we go on vacation by putting on the goggles and going into our matrix. Oh, it's already happening. And I, I I'm gonna to have to be honest with you. Oculus Rift, anybody? Yeah. Honestly, I have to be honest. I I, I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> Not that I dislike my current life, but imagine putting on those goggles one night or, and activating your implant or whatever it is at the time. And then you're, take, you're virtually time traveling into 1987 and going to your local rental store for a night and just reading the backsides of VHS tapes for a few hours. It's, it's going to happen. And when it happens, people are going to be taking nightly vacations into the past Every single night. Maybe to the point where people don't even go to work anymore. Because that virtual reality is way better than their reality lives. I don't know. But, um, I'm ready for it.
1: <laughs> where are they? Yes, I, do. I am quite aware we are
3: lost. I don't know.
0: Okay, Ben. Mission accomplished. You're free to go. Oh, and also uh, keep an eye out in the spring and summer for more tapes. And since you're the guest, please tell everybody out on the surface about the place to send the tapes to.
2: And on that note, feel free to visit Dave's Archives at davesarchives.com on my YouTube channel by typing in Dave's Archives or just type in Retro Commercials and you'll probably see Dave's Archives. Check it out. Now, let's see how exactly we're going to get you out of here. Wait, can't you just use the thing you used
0: to drag me down here to put me back? (laughs) Please, this is hell. Convenience is a four-letter word down here. Besides, the hell dragger's a one-way trip. But, since according to the info here, it says you hail from the Lone Star State, I've got the perfect mode of transportation for you. Come and get it! Since you hail from cattle country, I hope you don't mind crowd-surfing your way back to the surface in a full-on stampede. Won't that hurt? Only if you get trampled. Uh, Stand on that plank, please. I'm going to jump on the high end of the plank and fling you onto the herd. From there, just stay on top of them until you get to the surface, and you'll be back in one piece. And if I don't? Well, the curator outfit will be right here waiting for you. Okay, here they come. Three! Two! Take care, Dave. And if you bump into Dave Ward in your travels, tell him good evening, friends. Oh, oh. Woo. Hi-haw. Hi-haw.
2: Hi-haw. 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 Here we go. Woo. Oh.
1: Hi-haw. Hi-haw.
0: Next time on Telehel, bad commercials are one thing, but a commercial that inspires a bad TV show is a whole nother creature, not that far removed from man itself.
1: Nobody said this was going to be easy.
0: Now see, if Geico.com had taken that approach instead of telling everyone it's so easy a caveman can do it, I wouldn't be having an existential meltdown right now. Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. We literally thank this guy every single week for being a sponsor, but we definitely want to thank him today for being our guest, Dave Zamora of Dave's Archives. Like he said, look for him wherever you find Retro Commercials on YouTube by simply typing in Retro Commercials, or you can visit him at davesarchives.com. Dave also gets a writing credit because, let's face it, there were some commercials that really needed a little extra information and we're glad that Dave helped us out there. And now, here are the rest of the credits. Now that everybody is getting mysterious chemicals injected into their arms, that can only mean one thing. It's almost safe to socialize with people again. So why not get a head start on that and follow us on our social feeds, Twitter and Facebook, both at Tele-Hell Podcast. By the way, shows like these aren't cheap. Do what you can and can what you do at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast.